Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Taking Care of Grizzness, a Memphis Grizzlies podcast on the Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and I have a wonderful guest to talk on this draft week with. Obviously, with all the all more intels coming out, we're starting to get a little better feel of what kind of smokes out there, and we'll just have it all materialize here in the coming weeks. We're going to be talking about that here with our big-time guest. He is the host of the newly named Grizzly Bear Banter podcast, formerly known as GBB Live on Bluff City Media's Grizzly Bear Blues. He also... If you're interested in baseball, he is also a writer and podcaster for Battery Power, which is the SB Nation blog for the Atlanta Braves. The stats sensei himself, Sean Coleman. Sean, how you doing today, man? What's going on, man? It's always a pleasure to talk with you, Parker. Just, It's always enjoyable, man. I'm, I'm lucky enough to be able to have conversations with you when it comes to the Grizzlies uh, on a frequent occasions so it's always good to, to record them every now and then for for others to enjoy as well so and also yeah so so the for grizzly bear blues live i think we're sticking with the original name for right now honoring you and oh, joe you know, y'all you. y'all built it up so i think i think we're sticking with that but always a pleasure to be with you man thanks for having me well i highly appreciate it but let's get rolling here i mean obviously with the grizzlies there's uh there's intel on both sides of the fence here with the trades we all know that the grizzlies are targeting og and anobi and uh, Mark Stein in his recent substat that came out today, and then Michael Soto yesterday also indicated the Grizzlies are still targeting OG Ananobi. To no to no surprise, but no one really knows the the jet the the kind of vibe coming out of Toronto. There's so much stuff coming out of there, but all signs are pointing to them not wanting to trade OG Ananobi. But we we can or we may or may not get into that. Anyways, regardless. Grizzlies are trying to upgrade at the wing position. They're using multiple first-round draft picks to do so. But on the other side of the coin, you have the draft. And uh, Jonathan uh, Javoni, Draft Express under ESPN, indicated that Memphis Grizzlies are aggressively pursuing trade-up options in the draft. So these next couple of days are going to be fun. So, Sean, which, which side do you want to get into first? You want to get into the trades? Or the draft first. I'm gonna leave it up to you. I'm a nice host. <laughs> let's uh, let's get into trades. Let's let, let let's let's kind of lead up into the draft. Yeah, let's get into trades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The trades. So obviously, I'm just gonna I'm gonna give you the floor here. Just when it comes to the Grizzlies and the trade prospects, you can give me a take or you can give me a wish. But what are some? What is something that you are watching for when it comes to? the Memphis Grizzlies and their trade prospects this week in particular? I think that the one thing that stands out to me, it, it, this is, I'll, I'm going to cheat here and go uh, go with an A and B on this trade take. Okay. But I, I think what it is, is that the Grizzlies' ability to get that home run hit on a trade, it it just seems like it's going to be harder and harder to actually happen, right? Because 
you've got other teams. And when, when I talk about a home run trade, I'm meaning like a Mikhail, like an OG Ananobi or someone of that, you know, ilk, someone of that level of player. I mean, obviously Mikhail's better than OG. But what I'm getting at is, is just that young, pre-prime, 3 and D type wing that can grow into something more. It just mm-hmm. seems that it's becoming less likely that that's going to occur. Um, a couple of reasons why are because other teams out there, there are multiple teams out there that probably could offer better overall pick packages. But it's also because, you know, teams that have those type of players like Toronto and the Nets, both of them look to seem to want to use OG and, you know, the uh, Nets assets both of them potentially want to use those assets for other means. For Toronto, it's using OG to potentially trade up in the draft to get a higher quality prospect like a Scoot Henderson. For the Nets, it seems like that, hey, they still may want to be in the Damian Lillard conversation and see those things out. So does it time up right for the Grizzlies? Do the Grizzlies have what they can offer? The Grizzlies are best primed to offer a trade package to a team that's looking to rebuild, kind of like the Washington Wizards. But those teams that are looking to rebuild don't necessarily have, you know, the clear-cut, make-sense wing upgrade. So the likelihood of a home run happening, it just, it I, it could still happen, but it's not as clear-cut that the Grizzlies are going to make it happen and certainly don't want for them to overpay. The reason that I mention that is because I wonder if the pivot for that for the Grizzlies is instead making multiple moves. Instead of hitting the home run, maybe hitting a, a double and a single where they get an established wing, but they also make a move to maybe buy low on another wing prospect. Or, you know, if they see a wing out there that they favor over their other wings that they already have in-house, making a move on that end, or maybe picking one in the draft. I think that, in other words, we could see multiple moves by Memphis to upgrade the roster instead of there just being a, a singular home run all-in type move. Because at the end of the day, I know that that's what's going to make the headlines. I know that's going to be exciting, but I certainly don't want the Grizzlies to overpay. Like, for instance, giving up a, a, a Santi Aldama and four picks and a trade for OG and Anobi just to make Toronto say yes, that makes no sense for Memphis. Right, for sure. I do want to ask you this, is what is your idea of the Grizzlies hitting a single or a double when it comes to their potential trade possibilities, specifically on the wing at the moment. Yeah. Um, if, if, you know, if we're looking at, you know, it, it, a potential double, a definite double, triple, if you want to call it, um, it, it is it would definitely be DeAndre Hunter. You know, I, I think that DeAndre Hunter with the um, uh, uh, four years, 90 million that he's owed, I think that that that's fair for him if you get the version of him that he can be most of the time. Now there's some inconsistencies on his part, some injuries. But for instance, if the you know the Grizzlies can make an offer to Atlanta and, and make an offer to where basically saying, "Hey, we'll take on DeAndre Hunter and we'll also give it to, give you shorter term um, money um, commitments." that'll make their books easier, and that can lower the value a bit on Hunter, I think that would be a double. I think Dorian Finney-Smith is a potential double. Probably um, uh, Royce O'Neal is more of that single. Denny Advia is more of that single because both of those players are on one-year deals with Royce O'Neal. You know, you're probably going to have to pay him more long-term. Denny Advia, there's a lot of you know uncertainty there. So I think those are some singles and some doubles. Now, I'm not saying that you get like a Hunter and a Finney-Smith, 
But I do think that if you got, if you use Tyus Jones, for instance, to go get one of those players, or maybe even a Brandon Clark to go get one of those players, you do have money committed long term. But it's to a player that you know can produce at the NBA level and offer significant value at times. Plus, you mm-hmm. also have them locked up at your biggest area of need on your roster. So I think that those are the type of, of, of doubles that may be there. And if the Grizzlies wanted to also keep a draft pick in this draft to choose another wing prospect, I think that that is kind of how you double down on multiple moves instead of the one home run move. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I do agree. Uh, I do. I have been floating the idea of DeAndre Hunter to Sean and other people I talk Grizzlies basketball with because the Hawks payroll is about to get really expensive really quickly. Uh, when you factor in, you know, DeJounte Murray's a free agent next season, and then they have long term money on guys like John Collins and Clint Capella, who, you know, reports are saying they're trying to move. They have Bogdan Bogdanovich, they just nabbed on an extension. You have. Also, you have Hunter who got his extension last year. And then you have Clint, or not Clint Capella, uh, Oyege Okongwu and Sadiq Bey, who they just traded for, also due for extension. So, I mean, and they're in the middle of the pack. So, like, stuff's getting really expensive for a team in the middle of the pack. And I guess, and also, too, they traded a lot of first-round picks to go get DeJounte Murray. So, with a guy like DeAndre Hunter, could the Grizzlies quote-unquote overpay by sending two first-round picks to a team that is deplenished of draft assets. That's something worth exploring. I would trade two first-round picks for DeAndre Hunter, uh, in my opinion. But also, too, uh, another player. I I know Sean floated this out there yesterday. Very intrigued by. It'd make a lot of sense, a ton of sense. Would it be Denny Advia? And it doesn't make sense on the Wizards' perspective because it's probably like, hey, Former lottery pick, he's 22 years old. Let's see what he is, see what he can be. But at the same time, he's due for an extension, restricted free agent next summer. You want to see if you can extract value from him, from a team that really values him. I would love Denny Advia because while the Grizzlies do need a consistent 3 and D weapon and the the three-point shooting is what's needed from Advia, more importantly in this role, you need a guy that can stop the other team's best perimeter player. And Denny Advia is one of the most underrated players in the league and in that specific category with his ability to guard positions two two through four specifically. We still got to wait and see what he can do guarding ones, like how Dylan Brooks was able to do. But is Denny someone they do a little slight overpay to for a team? Look at a reset. Look at the stockpile some assets. And the Grizzlies can go get a guy that's 22 years old, lines up with your your core, and you're banking on the improvement of the three-point shot along with potentially elite perimeter defense to go alongside a job, Bain, Jaron Core. And also, too, Denny doesn't need a lot of shots. And he's a very solid playmaker. I mean, at this stage right now, without the shooting, he does a lot of that stuff that you had from Kyle Anderson. I think Kyle Anderson probably racks up more defensive events, whereas Denny's more of just a stopper. But that's a, a name that you floated out there on Twitter, Sean, and I was very, very intrigued by. Yeah, and and I, I just I, I think that, you know, Washington is the type of team that's going to be, you know, interested in in, in where the Grizzlies can offer the best trade value. As a matter of fact, while we're recording this, Woj evidently said earlier today, you know, that Washington is positioning itself to take on bad contracts to be able to 
to get first, you know, because they didn't get much from their who was their best asset talent wise, at least in Bradley Beal. So that makes it interesting. You know, you look at the uh, Wizards roster, you know, I know, you know, Parker, you mentioned Delon Wright before. Uh, I know that they have Monty Morris, who I think, uh, you know, they view Monty Morris as a trade asset, just like we do Tyus Jones. But what about Brandon Clark? You know, what about the fact that, you know, I don't want to say Brandon Clark is, is a contract, bad contract. You would love to, you know, have a healthy Brandon Clark, but if it's potentially going to be 24-25 before we see what he can do, what if you could take a Brandon Clark and a first, maybe another asset, and get Daniel Gafford and Denny Advia from the uh, the Wizards? I think that makes sense for the Grizzlies. You may long-term get the worst player in Gafford over Clark, but you get to take a chance on Advia, and you also get to retain a lot of your asset capital for maybe a bigger move down the road. That's what I'm meaning by when it comes to pivoting to creativity, which is a strength of this front office. That's what I'm meaning by maybe making multiple moves that are, you know, maybe a double and a single instead of a home run. Because at the very end of the day, you've got to do something, I think, to address the wing position. I don't necessarily think that only Advia being your only wing acquisition makes a lot of sense. But maybe if you make a move like that, you can then turn around and use a Tyus to go get a Robert Covington or someone along those lines. The whole point I'm getting at is, is that I think we're more likely to see the creativity of the Grizzlies front office come into play than that one all-in move that I know we all want. But it's just hard to make sense, and I don't see this front office overpaying. Right. And we do have we have seen the Grizzlies, you know, be creative when it comes to their moves and making multiple moves in uh, in multi- multiple off-seasons. Obviously, in the 2019 off-season, they did a lot of trading and maneuvering to kind of clean out a lot of the roster created by Chris Wallace and his front office to get a roster fit more for what they were trying to go for. And also, too, at the same time, in the 2021 off-season, you know, they made that big trade. Jonas Valanciunas, 17th pick, and like the 50th pick to go get Steven Adams, Eric Bledsoe, and then the 10th pick. But then Eric Bledsoe turned into Patrick Beverly and two other players. Patrick Beverly turned into Jarrett Culver and Juan Hernan Gomez. Juan Hernan Gomez turned into Chris Dunn and Carson Edwards. That's the guy. And while all those guys ended up playing for the Grizzlies, they ultimately ended up just doing bits by bit moves to go get their guys. And kind of reshape the roster to get some flyers done. And I, I think we'll see some creativity, like you said, this week, this offseason for the Grizzlies to try to maneuver the roster and best shape it to how they want it to fit. And that's the other thing that, you know, I think needs to also remain in place, you know, when it comes to what the Grizzlies are looking to do is that, yes, again, I know that everybody wants that home run. We, we absolutely do. But I sent out a tweet uh, uh, probably a month or so ago talking about Dylan Brooks and the fact that when Dylan averages 10 points, a couple of threes, and I believe shot 40% or so in a game, the Grizzlies were like 19-1 and one last year. So mm-hmm. I know that we want that home run hit. I know that, you know, it... it Everything, tea leaves, the Grizzlies pursuits at the trade deadline, all this, it's suggesting we're looking for the home run. Reports are saying we're doing that as well. But I do think when we throw out names like a Dorian Finney-Smith or a Royce O'Neal or a Robert Covington, that shouldn't necessarily be met. And I'm not saying Grizz Nation is doing this, but that shouldn't be viewed as a disappointment because at the end of the day, they can provide the consistency 
of what we need from a low usage offensive option that can also play good defense. That's what we need. And if we could just consistently get that, I think that it'll surprise people how much wonders that can do for us getting the consistency we need to be able to make some noise in the playoffs. For sure. One uh, trade take I want to run by you because, you know, people throw out Tyus Jones as a trade possibility. Question is, who starts at point guard for the other 25 games? And it is, you know, a precarious situation. I think Desmond Bain is more than capable of being a primary playmaker, but asking him to handle that and the largest responsibility of anyone on the roster, I think, uh, may not be the best use of his skill set. They'll have to probably go get another combo guard. I know we've taught different names. I've thrown out names on Twitter. You know, I think DeLon Wright would be perfect, especially for a Wizards team resetting. I think that's a per- guy to go nab on the low. But so there's a report from Matt Moore, Action Network. You may know him on Twitter as Hardwood Paroxysm. He dropped a, a, bit, a very uh, big Intel report yesterday on the Action Network. And there's something in here, Sean, that caught my eye. And when it comes, I'm talking to you about this because when it comes to trade talks and trade creativity, you are one of the ones on Twitter with the biggest uh, mind when it comes to trade creativity, multiple angles, multiple team trades, all that stuff. So in here, he also said the last note he had was Tobias Harris for the Sixers and Tyus Jones for the Grizzlies are two players I'm confident will be on new teams by the end of the summer. And then two notes before that. He said there's spin chatter in league circles about a separate potential three-way deal involving Boston's reigning sixth man of the year, Malcolm Brogdon. And he he said he, it may be out uh, outdated just with rumors or maybe the Beal trade with the Suns. But, you know, there's also been multiple reports out there that the Celtics are trying to be a little res- less redundant with their roster because they have Malcolm Brogdon, Marcus Smart, and Derek White. A lot of money tied up to those guys as well. They're about to, they're getting really close to the second apron. And so obviously, Brogdon is a good money matcher with Tyus. Personally, we're talking Boston guards. I, I, I would love the Grizzlies to go get Derek White because I think Derek White is a perfect fit next to John Morant, Desmond Payne, and Luke Kennard in the backcourt. But Brogdon would be damn good too. But there's no sense for the Celtics to do Malcolm Brogdon for Tyus Jones. He gets him back to, to step one. But what if you got a third team involved, rerouted Jones to a team that needs or to a team that has a wing that they can trade, and with a team with a little bit of a point guard hole. I, I think I, I did a trade machine recently where it was like Tyus Jones to Detroit, Derek White to Memphis, and then um, Bojan Bogdanovich to Boston. John, what are your thoughts on a guy like Malcolm Brogdon, or maybe even Derek White? We're talking about creativity, right? And, and that's where mm-hmm. there is some value out there. You know, we want to talk about these wings that the Grizzlies can go get in a bigger wing. You know, that, that's that's what Dorian Finney-Smith, OG, you know, I'm going to say him anyway because I'm just going to say Mikael Bridges and DeAndre Hunter. That's what they share. You know, they're, they're six, seven, six, eight, six, nine guys that are just perfect, clean, ideal fits. But if they're not out there, that doesn't – the Grizzlies – 
they're not the team to do this, but just to state the obvious, the Grizzlies don't need to limit themselves in only getting what is available of a certain profile. At the end of the day, you want to get as much talent as possible. So again, you know, pivoting, you know, like we're talking about other, you know, pure wings, why not pivot to more talented, you know, combo guards that can guard up like you're talking about in a Derek White or, or a Malcolm Brogdon or, you know, for instance, from Chicago, a um, Alex Caruso. I think that that makes a ton of sense. Um, I think that Derek White would be harder to get. And, and I know that, you know, you, you know that as well. Uh, but I agree with you of what Boston has to offer. I would love Derek White. I think that he can help you out at the point guard position. I think that you can, I think he can make a jaw white Bane lineup go together with um, a uh, um, Adams and, and Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, I, I do think that he can play up. I like Malcolm Brogdon as well, especially with what Brogdon can do at the play, you know, as an initiator himself. I think he's a clean shooter, underrated defender. So I do think Boston is another one of those teams that makes sense. And I also agree with you that um, it would have to be a three-team deal. Now, you know, could you potentially use some type of structure where maybe Boston is interested, you know, in like getting a Daniel Gafford since they're losing uh, Grant Williams? Could they part with um, one of their wings, you know, to come to Memphis, Tyus Jones go to Washington, and then um, – uh, or go elsewhere, and then Daniel Gafford from Washington go to Boston. That may not be as clean of a fit. Boston probably needs something more. But yes, I do think that the that if the Grizzlies are going to have to pivot away from wanting to find what they can in a true big wing, it makes sense to then go to a combo guard who can play up. And there are some combo guards, I think, out there that can be had for reasonable value that you can get on multi-years worth of contracts that could be, that could help the Grizzlies take the next step they need to. So I think Brogdon, Derek White, Alex Caruso all make sense as far as option goes. Yeah, I will ask you this last question on trades. This is kind of where I lean on trades. My biggest takeaway with trades, do you think or would you prefer for the Grizzlies' biggest trade acquisition they make this offseason to be a wing that can fit in lineups alongside John Morant, Desmond Bain, Luke Kennard, and Jaron Jackson Jr., given the success that we saw from that court quartet in general this past uh, postseason. Especially, too, remember that they went on a, that huge run towards the end of the first quarter in Game 5 with the lineup of Ja, Tyus, Bane, Luke, and Jaron. Do you think that they should try to find a guy that fits seamlessly well with a guy, uh, with that quartet in general? Or does it really not matter to you? Yeah, the easiest way for me to describe the type of profile that we need, I'm going to throw Steven Adams into this equation because I know that there's still a bit of mystery out there about his injury, but I'm hoping he'll be good. But the ideal thing for Memphis to do is to get a consistent guy who can offer value offensively in a low usage role on offense and can be a relevant defender who can be the three in a job bane Jaron at the four, Adams at the five lineup, and then can be the four in a Jaw, Bain, Kennard, Jaron at the five lineup. That's the perfect guy for this team to get. And the reason why I say two different lineup combinations is that's what allows the Grizzlies to have the flexibility to be able to adjust based off what they're looking at. Because in certain playoff matchups, you're going to see Job, Bain, and Kennard on the four at the same time be your most advantageous lineup. In other situations, having Adams and Jaron on the court at the same time are going to be your most advantageous lineup. So that guy that can play the three and the four in either lineup, I think makes 
a lot of sense. Now, that gets us back to that big wing, Dorian Finney-Smith, Hunter, OG, what have you. That may not necessarily fit, you know, the, the com combo guards that can guard up that much. But I do think at the end of the day, yes, your ability to feature two different lineups where you have Kennard at the three or two and one, and then Adams at the five and the other, and you can have that player that can play in the three with Kennard or the four or yeah, yeah, four, four with Kennard or three with Adams. I think that's what they're ideally work, looking for. Yeah, I, I totally, totally agree there. Uh, just, yeah, it's all about optionality because at the end of the day, playoffs, it's all about chess matches. Chess matches. You want to go get as many, you want to have as many pieces as possible where you can kind of deploy a lot of different combinations. And obviously your hope for the Grizzlies is either, A, they acquire another player, like you say, a combo guard to add more to that optionality. Or if somebody like Dante Aldama, David Roddy, uh, Zaire Williams or Jake Laravia, one of those guys could also elevate their games to the point where they're part of those chess pieces as well as a consistent, reliable uh, fit that fits next to your core. But Sean, uh, before we close, I do want to ask, well, we got to go, go to the other side of the coin. It's about draft. Where do you stand on the draft? Cause there's every, there's some people that are like, man, you know, F that pick, go get, go get a guy with the pick. But where do you stand on the drafts? I mean, obviously they're not going to not make a pick. So what, where, where's your head at going into the draft for the Memphis Grizzlies? I think unless they have something in place to get this home run type opportunity, like for an OG, for instance, where I stick is, is that I think that there is something to the fact, like Mike Scotto's report from Hoops Hype yesterday, I think there is something to the fact that the Grizzlies are looking to try to keep their pick in this draft and then maybe trade one of their 24 picks in what would be a smaller move to get an established wing. And with that in mind, I think, you know, I mentioned it on the GBB Live pod earlier today, that sets them up, in my opinion, to do their most go-to move when it comes to trades during the offseason. Trading up two or three picks to get a guy that they truly want. We saw them do it in 2019 with Brandon Clark. Saw them do it in 2022 with Jake Laravia. And that puts you in the Nets range, which you can expand to a bigger deal. But to me, that's what I think the Grizzlies are probably going to do. I think they're going to be aggressive. I don't necessarily want to put too much effort into trading up like eight to 10 picks. But if you get in that 21 to 22 range, then from there... I think you and Joe Molinax hit on it. This is a combo guard draft, I feel. There are there are some good combo guard drafts. If one of those late lottery combo guards winds up falling, maybe the Grizzlies can move up to get him, or maybe a Pods, for instance. A Brandon Pods, Podzinski, I, I can't say his last Podzimiski. name. Podzimiski. yes. Um, you know, my, my guy that I love out of there is Casey Wallace, but he's not going to be there. But moving up for that type of pick, or if you have moved, or if you have plans to move, uh, a Zaire Williams, for instance, um, in a trade, then trade up to get a, more of a certain option as as a you know wing type player, maybe a Bryce Sensiball, maybe a Chris Murray, what have you. But I think that that's where the Grizzlies are going to stand. But the big takeaway that I have about the draft is, is that you know as much as you know we can talk about you know what the Grizzlies could do, could they talk with the Nets about moving up a few picks plus getting either Dorian Finney-Smith or Royce O'Neal? Sure, that could be an option. But I do think there's a good likelihood that the Grizzlies separate the two. They act on their normal behavior of trading up to get the guy that they want in the draft. 
but they still also have plenty of future assets to put with the Tyus or put with the Brandon Clark and adding in one of their young combo forwards to then go get their established wing. So I do think that the most likely scenario for the draft is that they trade up a few spots to get the guy that they want. And I think that you could see them go after either another combo forward or a combo guard. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good case. I, I will say don't rule this like don't rule this out in its entirety. Let's say they gotta use the twenty-fifth pick to go get their guy to be the starting three. Um what if they trade out of that but some roster spots open up? What if they use their forty-fifth pick and some extra maybe some extra draft capital like in second round picks? What if they go use that to deal with a team like Indiana who has a boatload of picks in the top forty? Go trade with them for pick uh pick twenty nine. Go get go get a, a lot of a good value on a guy that you've prioritized maybe in the second round that you don't think is going to make it to forty five. What if you did something like that? I think that's something to not put something to not put uh, past them. But also, I mean, I'm with you when it comes to the draft. I'm with you on the combo guard element of it. I do think. I do think you go for best player available. I said this last week. You go for best player available, but you want to give your guys the runway to be able to develop and flourish. And right now with this influx at the wing, with Roddy, with Zaire, with LaRavia, with Vince Williams Jr., that, that that's just not fit. So I, I, I feel like they need a prospect combo guard in the mix, whether that's Brandon Podzemiski or Colby Jones. Uh, from Xavier as well. I really like Nick Smith Jr. from Arkansas. I know he had a rough year with his efficiency. I think that Arkansas thing was kind of a weird fit that was always going to take some time. But he he was the number one prospect in the country. Uh, He has a lot of really good tools as a pull-up shooter with his runner who you're like, hey, let's just see what he's got. Because, I mean, ideally, when it comes to the next backup point guard in a post- uh, Tyus Jones world you want somebody that can play alongside Bain to initiate the offense but also play alongside Ja when you're giving Bain a rest that's kind of how I see it is there any other any uh thoughts or insights that you have on the Grizzlies draft outlook there but yeah, getting to your point about that just shows the creativity right and what's the other move that we've seen the Grizzlies do Move up with that first, first, or if, with the, if that picks in the early 20s, move up a few spots to get the guy that they want. But with Desmond Bain and Santi Aldama, they use future picks to move up to 30 so they can get that player on a contract. And I do think also that with the fact that the Grizzlies have two first-round picks in 2024, and the 2024 draft isn't necessarily viewed as being a strong one, maybe use that as a way to give a team that has a lot of picks in this draft give them the ability to kick the can down the road and have a future pick in 24. You go get a guy you like in this draft, and I think makes a lot of sense. To your point, which is an excellent one, there's different ways of getting to the same point, which is the Grizzlies potentially using whatever combo of picks they want to over the next two years, going in, plus maybe one of their young combo forwards and a money-matching piece to go get an established forward, but still getting a guy that they like in this draft. The one thing, though, that I want the Grizzlies to avoid um, and I, I use this as an example because it came up on Twitter recently. I believe Parker VB uh, was what it came up with a, mm-hmm. you know, a trade that could make sense. The one thing that I do want the Grizzlies to avoid is, is I don't want to use like pick 25 Zaire and Tyus 
in one deal to go get like a Dorian Finney-Smith or a Royce O'Neal. I just don't think that either one of those players are worth all that. I would rather see what you can get while spreading it out. I know in that scenario, you still could get a young player in this draft. I know that that was part of the deal, but I just don't want to sit here and like trade, you know, both Zaire and Tyus plus in the same deal, unless you're truly going for the home run, if that makes sense. Maybe I'm not making sense, but um, in that type of deal, I wouldn't necessarily make it. I though would, um, I would just spread it out. If you're not going to get the home run, get you a guy that makes sense, either a young player that you can buy low or a draft pick in this, in this draft, and then go and get your established wing. Hopefully, you know, not having to overpay in that process. In general, my whole point is I don't see the Grizzlies doing this. I just don't want them to overpay for someone who's not, it's not worth doing for. Yeah. And can I even, I'll ask you this. It's like a quick yes or no. Is, is there any sort of gap between Tyus Jones and Dorian Finney-Smith to either, I mean, I know on the, on the net side, it'd be either A, it's Tyus Jones and 25 for Dorian Finney-Smith, no pick attached to Brooklyn, or if there is a pick swap, is there a gap between them where you need to add a guy like Zaire Williams to the package to sweeten it? Is there that big of a gap between Dorian Finney-Smith and Tyus Jones? Tyus Jones as the starter. Yeah, I don't think so. I, I don't. So, for instance, I think that Dorian Finney-Smith is a more valuable player than Tyus Jones. But from the Nets' perspective, in that deal, you also have Dorian Finney-Smith past the age of 30 coming off your books for an extra two years for Tyus Jones, who is, isn't expiring. So I think that that adds a bit more value on the Tyus side. With that being said, I think if the Grizzlies wanted to offer maybe one or two seconds or maybe even their 24 first, okay, that could make some sense. But I wouldn't offer Zaire. I don't think that the difference between in a vacuum between Finney Smith and Tyus Jones is worth Zaire, Zaire Williams. And I especially think with the fact that the Nets will get the benefit of being able to have the 14 million off their books and Tyus after this year, that adds benefit to them. I would see what I can do about Dorian Finney-Smith and maybe 22 for Tyus and 25 and trying to fill that gap, I'd at least explore that. But I don't think that that's worth it, Zaire Williams. Yeah, I agree. I agree for sure. And I guess to kind of wrap up the uh, the, tr- the, tr- the draft talk, give me, give me your five of guys that, I guess your five big board uh, for Memphis Grizzlies specific for draft prospects that you would prefer. Yeah, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna trade up, Casey Wallace, I keep on seeing him maybe falling in that 14 range, maybe 15 range. If there's a cheap deal to where the Grizzlies can go get him, he would be my guy. I'd love to get him. Um, Dariq Whitehead, uh, Bryce Sensabaugh, uh, Chris Murray, and um, Pods are probably the five the four guys that I would look at along with Casey Wallace. I'll admit I haven't dived as deep in this year as I usually do, but those guys all kind of fit the bill of what the Grizzlies are looking for, or maybe even um, you know fit the bill as far as being a you know lottery type option that's there for them at twenty five in a in a Whitehead or a guy that can really add to their need offensively as a go to option outside of you know. 
Jaw and Bain off the bench in a Bryce sense of all, I think that those options make a lot of sense. So th- those would be my five guys if I was looking at what makes sense. And I also think, you know, I mentioned this on the podcast as well, put it out there on Twitter. I also think that it's worth watching what the Grizzlies do in the second round because I do think that there are a couple guys who really fit what the Grizzlies like in the second round from the University of Missouri. And there also is some real good value big man-wise on that 50 to 75 spot on big boards, like a Drew Timmy or someone. I think Think that's worth watching as well for sure for sure for sure i mean my five uh i, I wrote this on my sub stack go check it out but my five uh bryce sensaval chris murray uh jet howard brandon potts and my ski and i would probably lean nick smith jr as my fifth i don't think he'll be there but that would be my guy there but yeah it, it should be a fun draft night the uh grizzlies that climb and they place a huge emphasis on it. I wouldn't rule rule out a, a fun and active draft night, Sean. And before we close here, we only got about like five minutes left here on this call. But uh just what give me a take on what do you think happen what you think happens this week. How about this? One take, one wish. Uh, when it comes to the Grizzlies. When when it comes to the Grizzlies. Yeah, Grizzlies. Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, it, my wish remains that they get OG. Um, I, 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 I would love as much as I want to talk about getting DFS or Covington or trying to make, you know, turn a positive light on when it comes to pivoting. Um, I just would love the Grizzlies to get OG because then at that point, you stacking up the four of Jawbane, OG and Jaron against any other four in the NBA, I at least feel confident that we can make something happen against any other big four in the NBA with that. So I'd love for that to happen. So that's my one wish. My one take is, is that probably doesn't happen. But my one take is, is that um, if the Grizzlies don't make their, you know, significant wing acquisition by Thursday night, that doesn't mean that it's going to not happen. I think there's a very good chance that if they can't get that home run move, they're going to try to keep that 25th pick. And on one side of things, try to do what they can to get a guy that they like in this draft and then potentially use Tyus and future year's draft picks to go get that established one. Absolutely. Yep, that's really good. And I guess uh, my wish would be I want the unexpected to happen. I want them to, you know, go out and get an impact player that we're not talking about right now. You know, we're talking about OG and Anobi, Dorian Finney-Smith. I want them to go get somebody that might come out of left field. I think. Guys that we've, I know this is like very uh, contradicting, but I think a guy that we've talked about on this podcast in particular that would kind of be that left field kind of thing would be like a Denny Advia or maybe even DeAndre Hunter since not a lot of people are talking about it right now. Those two guys would be great. Uh, my take, though, is I do think that if you, like you said, if you don't get that that three, I could very well see them generating a traded player exception with Dylan Brooks and going to get a guy like Royce O'Neal for draft uh, and you just using draft capital on the trade a player exception. I think that makes a lot of sense. The whole point is, is that you can you if the Grizzlies don't have the ability to go all in, utilize all the available a- avenues that you have to use creativity as a way to minimize the draft capital that you're giving up. And don't forget that MLE, you can split it in half. So you can use it Mm -hmm. on multiple players. If you use a Tyus, for instance, to go get 
um, you know, a, a player, you can always go and get a, a point guard on a one-year $5 million deal that can at the very least offer some type of reliable value for 25 games, and then from there you can figure it out. So I, I think that's the thing for the Grizzlies. Use all of your available avenues if you can't hit the home run to minimize the overall dra- assets that you have to use to make moves. Absolutely. And Sean, uh, we got about two minutes. You want to let the people know where they can find you and your stuff? Yeah. Um, first off, Parker, it's always a pleasure. I, I will say this when, when it comes to Grizzlies coverage, we, we're all lucky to have a lot of wonderful folks and you absolutely are, you absolutely are among the elite, one of the best. Um, you can find myself at stats SAC on Twitter. Um, I write and podcast about the Grizzlies over at Bluff City Media and Grizzly Bear Blues. Um, and as Parker mentioned, you know, with the in baseball season, if you're a Braves fan, I host the Daily Hammer podcast and write for uh, the Battery Power blog uh, covering the Braves. So, listen, I just love being able to sit here and, and write, talk, and just, you know, banter about sports. So, if you're someone that enjoys doing all of that and you'd like to have good conversations, hit me up and then let's talk. Absolutely. Sean's one of the best. Go hit him up. Follow him at StatsSAC. You can find all my written content over at Substack, at Substack Elitist. Just go to my Twitter at Paco underscore Flocka for the link, SubstackElitist.substack.com. And make sure you are liking, subscribing, downloading every single episode of the Taking Care of Grizzly, Taking Care of Grizzness podcast on the Fans First Sports Network, Spotify, Amazon, Apple, wherever you get your podcast. Taking care of Grizzness would be right there. And that covers our Grizzness this week. And I'll be back soon. It's draft week. We got trades. It's going to be wild. So, yeah, don't go anywhere.